0: joining analytics today podcast series that focuses on big data and analytics and the latest trends in the digital world i am your co-host jeremy roberts and with me always is my co-host samir khan what is up samir
1: hey jeremy how's it going
0: man i don't know it's still covid things are still crazy um you know what we've been working from home now for six months or so so it's been kind of crazy so I, I think I've gotten used to sitting at this desk with this microphone in front of me working in An reality vir- my, my <laughs> virtual life right And that's, so that's awesome
1: and, and it's 20 the almost the end of 2020 right It was like it a, is, it
0: was, it, is.
1: It, was a, it was a washing away
0: <laughs> yeah well, so today's another exciting episode. We have um so rather than just you know listening to Samir and I talk and banter because we love doing that, we actually have another special guest with us today.
2: Very um, special.
0: Very special. So it's Robert Glazer or is it Glazer or Glazer? Uh
2: Glazer. Glazer. Uh, I, I either works. I'm I'm pretty easy.
0: So, <laughs> so we're gonna actually... call me Rob. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're gonna actually call you Bob today. So Bob Glazer. Perfect. So let me go ahead and read your fabulous intro. And just so everybody knows, I did steal this from LinkedIn. So if you'd like to see exactly what it is, you can just go to his LinkedIn profile in stock and stock it, like I just recently did. Hmm. So So Robert Glazer is the founder and CEO of global marketing marketing agency Acceleration Partners and the co-founder and chairman of Brand Cycle. So he's a serial entrepreneur, has a passion for helping individuals and organizations build their capacity to elevate. And so this is where elevate comes in, right? So under his leadership, Acceleration Partners, aka AP, has received numerous uh, company culture awards, including number four in Glassdoor's Best Places to Work. Ad age, best place to work, entrepreneurs, top company culture, magazine, best places to work, great places to work, fortune, best small and medium places. I don't think you put enough in here, Bob.
2: Um, I, think, I think they get the point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So outside of that, you're also uh, twice named Glassdoor's list of top small and medium CEOs, uh, selected as top 22 conscious business leaders. You're a columnist, on entrepreneur, Forbes, Thrive, Global, uh, let me skip to this too. There's man, you've, you've done more stuff than anybody I know. Here we go. Here's the, he's the author of the global bestselling book performance partnerships and the WSJ or wall street journal USA today, bestseller elevate in his newest book Friday forward, right? Is that what it is? Friday forward yep. mm-hmm. releases, uh, last week, week. last week.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So, and the last thing here, you're a past recipient of Boston business journal, 40 under 40 award, You're on the advisory board to several high growth companies. Over 200,000 people in 60 countries read your weekly Friday forward. Okay,
2: that's that's (laughs) interesting. I gotta send people the short bio uh, next time. It's painful to have to listen (laughs) to that. Do you you have
0: free time in your life?
2: (laughs) Very busy. (laughs) It's all it's all it's all all connected. Um, you know, it's interesting when people read a lot of those cultural awards and stuff. I what I like to say is that I, I think we built. We built a company. I, I think there's some objective things that people think about a, a, a company about being a, a good place to work, and uh, some of those are true, like treating people well, paying them well. But 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 really, for me, a good culture is one that's just aligned between what it thinks, what it says, and what it does. And, and what so a novel concept. To, We've tried to stand for a very specific thing, set of things like be consistent with that, find people who align to that. And that really resonates with some people. And frankly, it really doesn't with others. But we've tried to be good about that so that the people here, you know, say, hey, this is this this place is does what they say they want to do. It's not it's not for everyone. I mean, I try to use the college example. Like, yeah, if you're looking for a big, you know, Michigan rah-rah school, someone loves that and someone loves a small liberal arts school in upstate New York, they probably Mm -hmm. would not like those opposite uh, schools. The, the the difference, I think, with companies is that, you know, the small liberal arts school in upstate New York does not pretend to be Michigan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, so, and it, sure. that's, a,
1: that's a culture thing, right? I mean, that, that's exactly what the culture is all about, is uh, it, it, it's a mix of what's your background is, your environment that you grew up in, and uh, what do you want to pursue in life, right? I think it's a combination of that. And to me, that's pretty much the culture, right? Uh, yeah. It's nothing- Shared, shared values
2: and, and behaviors, you know, right. m- someone might not like our shared values and behavior. I mean, they might not think they're bad values, but they're just right. not authentically them. And I think that's where our leaders get into trouble and, and when they try to just, you know, use generic Dilbert sounding things that aren't true. Like I, the example I always give is there's some people out there, like probably Travis at Uber early on, who should have mm-hmm. said like, we value competition and winning and losing above all else. Like that would be honest. That would be aligned with the incentive system. That would have been aligned with the behavior. And there's plenty of people who would have come on board. And those kind of people, when they lose, they go, ah, huh, I lost. Like, mm-hmm.
0: but a, they also like that internal competition. Like so those are right. yeah, yeah. You'll, get all, the, you'll get
2: all the college athletes <laughs> and, 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 you know, but, but then I'm not saying, I'm not saying this as an Uber, an example, but there, no, no. there oh, are yeah. CEOs who, who have cultures like that, who, you know, take, crap off the Dilbert wall. Oh, we're all about trust and transparency and teamwork. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> and that's okay. You just tell people the truth.
0: You know those offices that have like the ping pong tables and they yeah. have the games and all that stuff. But that's yet it's high a ap-
2: bad culture,
0: right? But so it, it's true. it's <laughs> it's frowned upon to use it. Because when you're using it just to try to get away they're like aren't you supposed to be yeah. working on this project you like the, oh, we, we had someone right. years ago
2: go to a law firm telling us um, that you know they, they would come give you know flu shots at your desk and all that stuff I mean they're not doing that as a benefit they're, they're doing that because you're billing 500 dollars an hour and it's really expensive for you to go go to the doctor and get a flu shot so oh, yeah uh, yeah I I, yeah. I I think so many companies and, and leaders would just be better. Off. I, I don't think a lot of leaders have gone through enough of an introspective process. And, and mm-hmm. you know, that's something I talk about in Elevate and Friday Forward is like, who are you? What are your values? And then just how do you connect to that? Because you're going to be more successful if you just know that, own that, build your team around that, build your company around that.
0: Well, the no, funny thing fantastic. is Samir and I both have been on both and we'll get to the question soon. Yeah. But I mean, Samir and I have both been on the opposite ends of the spectrum to where, you know, we met each other back in the day at RackSpace, yeah. and RackSpace is flags hanging. We're talking like flair. You know, when you make fun of like office space or something, yeah. everybody wears flair at their desks. Um, there's restaurants. There's a slide. I mean, you're talking about fanatical support. You live and breathe the culture. They even had detox manager detox classes where people, when they came in, they detoxed you. And then both of us also worked at places like IBM. You know, the the two opposite ends of the spectrum.
2: So wait, was that good or bad at Rackspace? <laughs> like was that authentic was, at Rackspace? Or people were were or was it a little like no, indoctrination? It yeah.
0: It was good. Yeah. It was good. Was good. 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 But it, it all depends on the leader. And yeah. that's the thing. Uh, we right. we had an amazing leader. Lanham Napier was uh he was a rock star. He he not only lived and breathed the culture. So I I'll get to this one last quote, Samir, because it, it's it means a lot. So I remember I used, I, obviously I was uh, one of the tour guides, right? I have the yeah. personality for it. So I was the guy who walked around and gave tours and stuff and people were like, well, how do you hire the right people? How do you do all this? And I said, well, Lanham Napier once said that, you know, Rackspace is all about fanatical support, right? But fanatical support is only enabled by um, creating a strong culture. And he said, well, a in creating a strong culture is only enabled by hiring the right people who believe in that culture. So in order to be able to give our customer service, you have to hire the right people who follow the culture, who are able to give fanatical support, which follows
2: right. You're going to want people that have shown elements of service in all aspects of their life, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's fantastic. So
1: diving right into it, uh, I know we uh, Jeremy gave a quick intro about you, Bob, and we kind of talked about uh, how in the beginning, uh, the early stages of your career, you were an analyst at Arthur D Little, and then eventually you went on to becoming. Uh, CEO of acceleration partner and best-selling author, we know that, right? So what we want to know, what our audience wants to know is, yeah. can you share more about the parts of journey that we don't know, like most of the people don't know?
0: So, and, and part of that journey, if you don't mind, let me caveat that yeah. so make sure you go far back enough. Yeah. This, these are people who we've talked to who started off as like a, a customer service rep at Gap, And, you know, they were starting that gap and they were selling clothes in retail at the mall. And then they had this thing where they all of a sudden got into this mindset that they wanted to get in technology and marketing or so on. So go, go that far back if you have to.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the two tracks, one, you know, uh, so if I think about school, you know, I was always sort of, um, you know, I wasn't very engaged. Uh, If you read all my report guides, like you could do better, not reaching his capacity, like. Was very, very typical thing you'd see an entrepreneur because the school system rewards conformity, really, you know, and that and, and and people who are creative and entrepreneurial pretty much like break that mold. So I didn't get a lot of reinforcement, but, I, you know, I loved working. I would mow the neighbors, you know, lawns. I would shovel uh, in the winter. I when I first could get a job, I went and got a job at a pizza place and probably had the worst manager leader <laughs> kind of ever. So I, I, I always worked. Um, I liked working hard. I liked making money. I, I didn't work hard in school because it, it wasn't interesting to me. Uh, you know, at some point in my college career, I sort of realized, oh, like business is a thing. And I really like this and marketing and creative. And those those things sort of intersected. My love of learning and my love of work became, you know, one and the same. Uh, I started really, you know, saying, oh, taking the class. Really, I, I mean, my grades went to like a 4.0 only at the point when I was through my prerequisite in college and I started taking the classes that I really liked and it didn't matter how hard it was. Like I was, I was into it. I could never pretend to be into anything that I wasn't. So um, that was a big turning point for me because I realized I love learning. I just hadn't really enjoyed anything I was being taught that had no practical application to what I liked doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm the person you come to when you think about so much of education is about getting it right or what's the right answer. Like I'm the person everyone comes to when they need a nonlinear solution. Right? It's almost, it's almost, I think it's interesting. Yeah. Exactly. The thing that was probably like chastised the most by teachers and otherwise is the thing that people come to me most for now. Like we know what the textbook says, like, but what, <laughs> what would you do here and how can we get creative? about? So, it? So
0: let me ask you this. Just like me, I was a terrible, terrible multiple choice test taker. I could, yeah. find, I could find a correct answer in A, B, C, and D, even though B, C, and D were clearly wrong. Is it's that not kind a good of some standardized test? No, yeah. I'm no. not. Okay, I no, never uh,
2: understood. Uh, and I never uh, understood why people uh, would uh, not get A's <laughs> in class participation. Right? I'm like, dang, hey, let's talk about this.
1: <laughs> yeah, and in my end, like I, I never, at least in my the early stages, I grew up in India. So in India, the focus was more so on actually writing your answers yeah. instead of taking multiple choices. Exactly. So I never got into the the Ugh. the habit of taking multiple choice until I came over here when I, I did my master.
2: But it was like. The, crazy, the way I went through it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the craziest thing for me, like if you think about the u s business school application process right Jeez. which is yeah. you go back and learn stuff you haven't used since like seventh and eighth grade and haven't used in your prominent rise in leadership or otherwise, you go in back four and p's learning, <laughs> right triangles and all this stuff, then you like. You know, has someone else write, you know, your uh, references for you that you write for yourself that aren't verified by the school for anyone to check in to say, is this person what they say? Like the entire process is the worst case of what Mm -hmm. any business leader would use, which is like, what have you done that's relevant? And I'm not going to take your word for it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to back channel reference and verify that you are what you say you are. So I always think that's a little bit ironic.
0: So I guess when, once you got out of college, was there something that kind of steered you in the direction? Or did you? Were you still trying to find yourself with odd jobs before you really got? Into no, this I,
2: I, I realized I loved uh, marketing strategy, like the the you know the dream job was sort of a strategy consulting job for me. Like when you think about like be pilot into a situation, figure it out, lots of new learning. Like one of those
0: Bain things. consulting jobs. Like yeah,
2: exactly. So, yeah. but I couldn't get those because I'm you know my grades freshman and sophomore year weren't weren't that good. So I yeah. ended up. Uh, Taking a job at Arthur D. Little, which was sort of a second tier, you know, after the Bain, McKinsey, Mm -hmm. BC uh, and strategy practice and and loved it. We were doing all the high tech stuff, um, sort Mm -hmm. of fell in love with high growth businesses. And they're just the interesting thing for me They're they're exciting, fascinating businesses. They also tend to be like terrible places to work and really like stressful and disruptive. So I, I worked that from a couple angles. I did the strategy consulting role. I went and worked at a, a incubator at the time when the internet was taking off and then a venture firm. And then I went and helped build a business um, and realized that all of those I had sort of failed in different elements uh, of, um, because particularly helping uh, another team that had started a business, build a business. And what I eventually built with Acceleration Partners was... Look, I'm tired of all this bad culture stuff, but I do love the adrenaline of these high growth businesses. I, I you know, I I worked all sides. Like for consumer businesses, it's really about customer acquisition. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, right. that's what makes the difference. And so I started Acceleration Partner. We, you know, we worked with these high growth businesses, but we were gonna be a company that was different and from a culture standpoint and stable and I didn't I didn't want all my eggs in one basket. I actually thought that I would be enticed by one of these companies to kind of jump in and go with it, but yeah. I, but I really liked the distance of having seen so much kind of startup destruction over the years. I still we still love working with these companies, but but working with them not working for them. Mm-hmm.
0: So a quick question on that. We we have a lot of our listeners who who've asked us, I'm scared to make the leap. I'm yeah. scared to go from working for another business and to go on my own because I'm giving up my 401k I'm giving up my health plan I'm starting my own I don't really have a resource to go and get a bunch of money to invest in was there a trigger or was there something that you were like you know what I'm going to just do this myself because yeah, I, a lot you know, of people I, want to I know had that. A,
2: I, had a, I was talking to a friend about moving out west to do this startup that was going to sell or go public. And and he, he kind of said to me, he's like, look, if you don't take this job, you're pretty much going to be unemployable. And and you know, he meant that in a, in a nice way. I think I had reached the point where, um, and, and this is for a lot of people, where like, the 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 sort of frustration of not having control exceeded any of the security concerns and actually very quickly and I never looked back i always felt better being in control of my own income and and, and paycheck I, I think there is this misperceived uh, security particularly of kind of big co i was interviewing someone for our company years ago you know she was working at a company that had been declining every year but it was a mm-hmm. big company it was part of public company and they had layoffs we've been growing for five years and you know final interview and our team was like can you go have breakfast with her she's hesitant and she just was like this seems really ris- risky for me you know I have a nice thing going and I and I was kind of thinking like hmm. it's really interesting I'm like look we've been we've been growing we've been adding people like yeah. this 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 you're on an island that's just sinking like an inch a day but it's interesting how people perce- and and look this is you're the type of company that then I know that come, you'll just get blindsided one day, like your job will get eliminated. So yep. I, I really do think that is more perception than reality for a lot of people. And, and look, no one's lying to me about when I'm getting my paycheck or what I'm making or, you know, what, uh, any of that stuff. So th- there are trade-offs, but I, I realized very quickly, like I did more work. Like I got more money. I, mm-hmm. I, I you know, I liked that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it makes sense. I, I think a lot of people just have, they have to have that kick. Like something's got a trigger in their head to make them feel
2: comfortable. I I, I was very like torn. Like I had, I was a delayed entrepreneur because my, my, my risk tolerance didn't match my sort of convictions about things. And I really had to flip that in order to make it work. And I never went back. But look, if, 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 if you're paralyzed by fear and all this stuff, like it may not, you may not be a good entrepreneur. Like it may, that may not be the right thing. I, I mean, things like COVID 19 are are, are are blessings in disguise because how many stories have you guys heard of someone who, you know, they had a comfortable job, they had a comfortable job, they didn't like it, but then it it, it got eliminated and they went and actually finally did what they wanted to do. So, right. I think good is the enemy of great for a lot of people, where, you know, the, particularly as people hit their, you know, they hit their 40s, they start to hit their sort of maximum earning, like they've done the work and they'd be like, I hate what I'm doing but i make a lot of money and i got you know got responsibilities so it it becomes really hard for those people to sort of pull out unless pull the trigger. uh something yeah. happens right that some yeah. some external event forces it on them
1: yeah and i think going going to that topic of uh, how do you pull the trigger and kind of expanding that a little bit more you know i know you meant you go in great detail in your book elevate so if if you like, I'm pretty sure your book was launched last year, so definitely it was not COVID. But what was that motivation yeah. that you had that that got you to write this book? Mm-hmm.
2: The motivation was people turned down the the Friday Ford book that I originally wanted to write, um, which really? was actually about the stories, and, and and everyone turned it down. And one uh, guy became my agent said, I, "I love the stories, but what's the story behind the stories?" And that that sort of led
0: <laughs> really, me, <dude? laughs>
2: that, that sort of led me on a like two years of rewrites. To, to what happened was I was like, "Why are these messages resonating, getting people to make changes in their life who I don't know around the world?" What, what have I done the last couple of years of my own life where like I've really taken things to a new level, we've taken our company to a new level and I've been around a lot of these high achievers and they all seem to have certain things in common and it sort of illuminated the exact same pattern. I'm like, wait, this is all the same thing. This is the sort of capacity building. These are the elements. This is the thing I'm seeing anywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would say the light bulb went on. It went on after a lot of turning on the wrong light. I mean, I had eight things, but eventually I was like, wow, this pattern fits everything. It fits my life. It fits our, how we've invested our employees. It fits these, these stories are actually, and that's what the new Friday forward book is. They're organized around those elements of capacity. I'm like, this is the playbook for how we get better.
1: Oh, fantastic. And in in that book, you kind of talk about uh, different types of capacity right you talk about yeah. intellectual physical emotional spiritual yeah what is the hardest part uh, about going to that level of depth because you know some books are just purely focused on maybe physical capacity or somewhere yeah. like intellectual so how do you combine those four things
2: yeah i mean so it's, it they kind of go in a logical order so spiritual not religious it's sort of what you want most your core values intellectual as I sort of call your personal operating system how do you learn plan execute with discipline have accountability set goals physical is kind of health and wellness and then emotional is your relationship to people you know it's the outside and and events and things that you don't control so it's kind of like the first three are your sandbox and then how does your sandbox play with the the outside world. And I I visualize them as a quadrants of a ball that if they're growing, you have like a ton of momentum. Mm-hmm. But there's always gonna be one a little But if you have one that's like this, and your other ball, like that ball is gonna bounce all over the place and 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 go out of whack. So what's interesting is there's different ones at different times of our life. Most of us have not done the work on spiritual capacity. Like they haven't, we haven't figured out what our values, what direction we're going. We might be like, Driving our boat really fast and really well towards a place that will not make us happy, right? This is the this is having goals and accomplishments and this definition of success that's been put on by peers or parents or otherwise. It's not actually what you want, right? You know, Samir, your your, your parents are you know c- congratulating you for all the success in your career or whatever. And you're like, all I want to do is be in a cabin in Montana and writing. Like this isn't actually what I want to do. Um, So so that's the one. The other ones require a lot of constant tweaking. That's the one that requires you just do the work. And when you've done the work, it requires some maintenance. But, man, it puts the other things on the right direction. Because once you understand that, once you know what you want, now, intellectual, not keeping up your intellectual capacity and going getting has a cost. Letting your physical capacity diminish has a cost. And you understand the types of relationships and things that you need and don't need because you know what you want. I mean, when You figure out your values you will dump half your friends you know family members and other people you're like wow these people are 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 actually in the way of what i want
0: makes sense okay so you know since you've released um another book right friday forward what's the biggest surprise or aha moment you've had in the last few months you know especially dealing with the pandemic and and all those things
2: Yeah, it became a (laughs) pretty aha moment that this is not going to be a good year to release a book. And, and, um,
0: it's like my mom saying, don't buy a 2020 car ever.
2: (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) But, but but look, that, that, that was determined a year ago, that timeline. And, and, you know, you're navigating around COVID and all the racial justice stuff going on and the election. And, um, so, and and both from a, demand standpoint but then the logistical aspects are all just really hampered with inventory mm-hmm. and books and, and otherwise so look this is this is a perfect example of you know emotional capacity like it is what it is i can't mm-hmm. change that so how do i land my book you know how do we we move the timing how do we try to land it you know w- where we can around the election be the anecdote to a lot of what's going on play the long game you know ch- change our goals in terms of you know what's going on now like anyone I know who's launched a book in the last four months, they, you can't get media attention. Media wants to talk no. about racism, election, COVID. Like a book That's that it. actually tries to make people feel better. No, no, no. We don't. Now we don't, hurricanes we're not, and forest fires. No. Yeah. Let's get now back, hurricanes Let's get back and to the yeah. gloom and doom and, and all this stuff. So, I mean, I've just changed my goals and my expectations and this book's designed to be evergreen and live a long life. So I'm just not going to, I'm not going to mope around, you know, even Mm -hmm. though I've I've lost a lot of tools, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing, doing what I can do.
0: So quick question on that. So, and and we'll jump back to kind of what we're, the path we're going down, but we have a lot of people who, I I talk to a lot of people like, man, I should write a book one day. I'm giving them a thumbs up. Yeah. I want to write a book one day. And they say, "Well, I don't know really where to get started." So I'm asking for your feedback: Is should they start their own blog first? Should they start oh, writing no, something else first? I,
2: I think I, I think I actually or, mentioned this. In, uh, so go ahead.
0: Oh yeah, I, but, yeah, and so yeah. that part. And then the second part is: Let's say you really are legit, and you start writing a book. Do you really have to go out and find an agent, or ha- what do these? What do our listeners need to know? Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: So, so couple of things. And I have, I have a couple of podcasts on this that go into this deeply with Tucker Max from scribe media. So if okay. you're interested, you should look at that. So first and foremost um, the number one change for me writing a book to not writing a book. And this goes to accountability. I was in a, a group that met once a year, uh, an entrepreneurial master program. Mm-hmm. People were talking about books the first year. And I've been saying the same thing. I don't want to write a book. I want to write a book. I, a book. I, I said, I am going to write a book from whenever whenever we met in April, whatever, I said, I'm going to write a book by this class next year. So I actually just changed the statement from I want to, to I'm going to, and then it became how, so then it became, well, how do I write a book and who do I talk to and which companies? So now I'm on the phone and I'm learning about self-publishing and, you know, agents and getting myself smart on that. And then, so that, that, that's one thing. And just, it, when you put the stake in the ground, then it becomes about how, how you do it, not talking about it forever. And, and look, for those of us who are not like Adam Grant or even Adam's a teacher, right? I mean, but, but, but sort of professional, like Malcolm Gladwell, professional writers, we have this vision. You go off into the cabin and you write your book for months and you come back. It's not how a book, gets, but a book gets written a page a day. So say you're going to do it. Start writing the book start writing the page, start writing the outline. You know, this goes to my sort of alignment and and capacity and how you tie quarterly goals to daily goals. Like you can either look at people's food for a half an hour a day on Facebook and Instagram, or you can write a half an hour a day. And after 90 days, you'll either be really knowledgeable about people's food or you'll have 45 pages of that book that you wanted to write. So those big goals. Um, I, again, if you, if you go to the Elevate podcast, if you check out my, my uh, discussions with Tucker Max, I talk a lot about it, but this, I mean, most people, depending on what you want and if it's your first book, you're probably gonna be better off self-publishing. In fact, you know, big book deals and book deals that would be worth it these days go to people who have huge platforms uh, in advance. So if you don't have that, you're probably not gonna get an agent or, or book deal. But if you write an amazing book or you break through, you might be able to then get that also, most people are not writing a book to sell books. They are writing a book right. to elevate their platform as a business or a person. They will make more money off one speech than they will make off two years of royalties you know, in, in, in their book or off of a client who comes into their business because they read the book. So it's very important to understand that really 99.9% of authors don't make money writing books, um, but you can make a lot of money with a book as a platform, but that really should be a self published or a hybrid published book
0: well just so you know Samir and I have done the ebook route um, and we did not do it expecting to make any money off of it I mean yeah. I think the first ebook that we wrote together Samir and I in 2012 were fly we were in the plane flying out to San Francisco to go speak at dreamforce yeah and we were going to be on stage together talking about LinkedIn and so you, needed, you
2: needed something to offer was yeah
0: social, it was a it was a conversation around social selling. So it was Salesforce, LinkedIn, and then us. Yeah. And so we were talking about social selling. We were like, dude, we have three days. Should we write an ebook? Let's do it. <laughs> we wrote an ebook in three days on social selling. It was okay, yeah. but it worked. And I think yeah. we just did yeah. it. Like I said, you just decided. But when you
2: say it worked, how do you define worked? Like what worked about it? was
0: informational. You?
2: Yeah.
0: It was informational. And, and it gave gives opportunity
1: yeah. to present our ideas uh, in a more holistic way, right? So yeah. I think before that, hey, these are two guys that no one really know about. Yeah. Uh, and then they're speaking at Dreamforce. And then now you have uh, more speaking engagement that came after that because now we have right. these are authors that are speaking, and then they have this book as well that's talking about what they're yeah. they're mentioning the show. So I think it, it, to your point, like I've I've experienced that as well. Like you know, writing on blogs and writing on other publications gives you that exposure. So mm-hmm. you're not necessarily making money off of what you're doing, but it's kind of supporting everything that you're doing outside of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. My, my plan is actually, I'm, I'm currently earning uh, my doctorate right now. And part of my dissertation, I'm going to turn that into a book and I'm not doing that to make money. I'm just doing it to say, I spent five years doing this. Yeah.
2: This is my, <laughs> look, a book is your new Tucker talks about a book's really the new advanced degree. Like, you know, years ago, right. did you have a PhD or whatever? Now it's like, if you're an expert in what you, it's like you're a better version of your card. Like you leave someone a book, that you printed for $2 rather than your business card. I'm the yeah. expert in X and here's the proof on that. Yeah. That's yeah. Fantastic. And, cool. and speaking of that, I know you yeah. talked to
1: a few different uh, names. You mentioned, Bob, uh, they're like, who are the two or three people that really motivated you and helped you write the book Elevate? Can yeah. you hi- highlight that?
0: And I guess, what do they do to help you? Just so we know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, I think a couple people. I mean, Rick uh, Pashkatula, my agent, who who originally sort of said, "Love your writing, but people are right. People won't buy this book." Uh, they now they're buying it five years later when I have a much bigger platform. um So, so I think he really pushed me on that. I get it's funny. Uh, Adam Grant and Tim Ferriss just did a podcast, which I knew when the two of them were talking that I was going to have to listen to it. And you know, they talked about their challenge networks. Like I really value like you know the people that'll tell you it's great and the good feedback like there's certain people sort of on the challenge network so i also had uh you know some good friends and colleagues who really went into it marked it up gave me critical feedback like i think that that was that that was really important like i really value I, i just i'm working with a new editor on a book i'm releasing in the uk and i was like look I don't mind, you know, these days you can't put red ink as a teacher or you get in trouble. I'm like, I love the red ink. Like, <laughs> give me your thoughts. Like nothing's, there's no sacred cows. Like, it's funny, you almost have to ask for feedback these days because I think people are desensitized to to give it. So um, yeah, I had, I had several people uh, that sort of on my book team that that actually went through the drafts, gave me a lot of critical feedback and really helped me shape that idea.
1: And you mentioned Challenge Network. That's kind of intriguing. Can you tell more about what that is? And maybe a lot of people don't know what Challenge Network is. Yeah,
2: look, your support network is, is it, it's more of just a framework. Your support network is the people you're like, oh, I'm down. Like, I got to call so-and-so. And they'll be like, you're great. You're awesome. And like, they're just, you know, probably your family, you know, this sort of unconditional support club. But a Challenge Network is like, uh, is, is one of the things I think Tim said is that you know, he has a group of people he sends his drafts to and he says, look, if you had to cut, he forces them. If you had to cut 20%, what would you cut? And you can only keep 10%, what would you keep, right? So th- th- these, are actually, these are people who you want to tell that your baby is ugly, right? And, and, and they, that, that you, the relationship and trust is that they're willing to do that. Um, most people just go to their peer network to get reinforcement of what they want to hear and what they already want to know. Like I said, I mean, even Friday forward every week with a uh, person who edits for me, like I love the red ink. I'm like, great. Like those are mistakes. I'm not I'm not a good editor. I'm a much better writer than Same an editor. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny. He can edit it in about 30 minutes and probably would take him four hours to write it. I can write it in 30 minutes. And it would take me four hours to edit it. Like it's it's just like inverse skills.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny is like I, I've learned for me quick writing is I use my dictation software on my Mac. Yeah. And I talk, and I, I'll I'll literally have a chapter or a topic, and I'll just turn on the dictation and talk for as long as it goes, and then I'll go back and edit it. And I realize I write pages and pages from that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so, I gotta
2: do that more actually. I gotta find yeah. out if it's built in in the new version of Windows. I think it might be.
0: Yeah, I'm not a Windows guy. Sorry. Yeah, I
2: know. I'll, <laughs> I'll Google it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So next one. Um. So what do you think, what do you wish you would have known before you launched Elevate? Is there anything to where you're like, you know what? I I, I mean, (laughs) I I
2: sort of knew it, but I, 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 I tell everyone this, like I, I've given a lot of book advice, like marketing a book is so much harder than writing a book. Like writing a book is if this, if you want a mass market book, like it's, a year of marketing for like one week that you that you're targeting. And then even after, so yeah. yeah, I, I think I knew it. Um, but, but I mean, I, I, people call me a month before their book launch. Like, what do I do? And it's like, go back and hire someone nine months ago to work on this full time. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a, I don't have a hack for you. Yeah. So is uh, there, when cool. you say
1: go hire someone, is that like a specific type of person that you're looking for? Yeah, or? they're book
2: launch people, but it's just a lot of coordination, you know, podcasts, okay. reviews, like contributed articles. Like I have someone actually does all of it. They're sort of just my right hand person in that in that realm. Um, yeah. But if you have a day job and stuff, a book is a night job and you need someone mm-hmm. to be sort of the project manager of your launch campaign. Okay.
0: Yeah, I actually have one of those guys. He's a, yeah. He's an author already, so... Um, okay, so let's move into something a little bit more spiritual. We're going to move into the spiritual realm. Yeah, you know, pretend I'm lighting an incense and a candle. So if you're listening, All right. <laughs> right, serenity now, right? Uh, so when when you're giving back to the community, and, and we are talking about the things that you do, you know, when when you're working with others, you know, how, how do you feel when when you work on elevating human spirit and and the recognition behind that?
2: Yeah. So I, look, I I think back to those core values. If you have those core values on your desk and can recite them, then you are going to be always feeling better when you're living them. So when you're living them in your work life and your contribution, giving back. So yeah, I mean, I intrinsically, you know, enjoy getting better and helping people figure out how to do things better. So whether that's in the work setting or I tend to align you know, how I give back in the community and into those things, because it's all all those different things you you read about on my resume. They're, they're all aligned and they're all the things that sort of bring me energy. So, frankly, they're easier. What's been harder is getting out of the things that, you know, you need to do, but 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 drain your energy. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I fundamentally enjoy finding new ideas that can help people and companies grow and sh- sharing those with people rather than holding them to myself.
0: Yeah. One of the concepts I've used is, and people tell me I should write a little short book on this, but is this concept of a lot of
2: books. Yeah. Right.
0: It's a concept of concentric circles and you have your one core circle of what makes you. And if you add on more things that those circles must overlap and connect. And if they don't overlap and connect, then um, you shouldn't be doing it because it doesn't help support everything else.
2: Uh, Yeah. It's that icky guy thing right like the world needs it you love it you're good at it like i I, if you looked at a lot of the things that i do you might think that they are incongruous but but if you spent time with me and looked at kind of values and all this stuff they are actually all the same and they overlap and they reinforce each other
0: interesting
1: yeah i think and that goes back to my philosophy as well like every person has they have one storyline, and they tell that story in multiple ways right and uh, sometimes your story is more spiritual realm sometimes it's a physical realm sometimes it's an emotional realm but the core theme the core story is still going to be same thing that you're telling over and over again at least from my standpoint that's what i do like i take the same story my experiences my setbacks and i try to tell them over and over again in different mediums and different mm-hmm. times of, of forms of communication so I,
2: I see where you're going with that bob i think and, and uh, most of us most of us um i wrote a friday for about this called purpose and pain like I, I, a lot of our purpose is connected to really sometimes it's obvious and not but it's really meaningful formative you know experiences um it, and, and it's interesting so do you guys, you guys listen to tim ferris at all mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah so uh for a while i, I i'm a big tim fan because i the capacity building over like you know he has lovers and and haters like on both sides of the spectrum but for the last year or two on his podcast, but his podcast is amazing and just has great guests in long format. For the last year or two, and Tim's now 40s, I was like, you know, he's getting away from just this pure improvement stuff to like, it feels deeper. It feels like he's connecting to the why and the purpose and like yeah. he's asking people these questions. And I just, I said it to my wife, I said, if I ever interviewed Tim, I'd be like, why do you do what you, I, I want to understand because I, I see it. And so Tim released an episode I don't know if you guys saw like two days ago um he's been talking about it for a while he's been talking about this book he didn't write. I just had this feeling and he and he mm-hmm. basically talks about being uh sexually abused for several years as a child and mm. just actually like the lack of control over that and physical and then disassociate like it actually explains his entire life and what he does and why he is so passionate about that stuff and I just I had such a feeling about that because I just, I listened to the, where the podcasts were going and we get, mm-hmm. at some point I think we we actually make that connection to why and sometimes it's often not to a good thing, right? It's, a, right. it's oh, yeah. you know, it's it's, we felt lonely as a kid because we had a single parent household and so we build the largest after school program in America, right? I mean, it's yeah. very... And, and I've always been interested some people it's really obvious and they make the connection. Some people it's really obvious and they don't make the connection. <laughs> like I've, I've been talking with them through it and I, and I'm, I ask a deeper question. And I was like, have you ever put those together? And they look at me like stunned. Um, so I just, I, I have heard the story so many times that I've just gotten used to the pattern.
0: Makes sense. So uh, let, let me get, let me get into a question around mentors. Um, is Could you describe uh, the effect of, uh, say, two different ends of the spectrum, right? Yeah. We're going to talk about a mentor that's really helped you elevate and, and was eye-opening, something that just changed your approach to business life or whatever. And on the other side of that, was there maybe a manager that was possibly, you don't have to obviously name it yeah, as well, yeah. but somebody was the absolute worst manager you've ever had, and it taught you a a very distinct lesson that, that has helped you shape who you are. So I'm I'm thinking of the two opposite ends.
2: Yeah, I have, I have both. And so from a mentor standpoint, I actually respond well to maybe this goes to my childhood upbringing, as I said, but, but, but to being pushed, like to being Mm -hmm. sort of challenged. Like I, I, I do better when someone's kind of a little, you know, more direct. So one of my first mentors, my first job was, was super supportive, but also, you know, push me and challenge me. And I, I remember one time, you know, I was super eager. And you know, there are a couple, couple lessons to my earlier mentors. One, one actually said, told me I needed more gravitas at some point. And that's actually a, I mean, I took that seriously. And that's a discussion yeah. I've had with other people over time. I, my team have learned that word. that like, the person doesn't have. I can't put my name on it. It's like gravitas. Um, but that first manager, so I would be like, he'd be like, I you know, here's the stuff and I'd be like, I I will get this for you on on Tuesday, right? And I would get it to him Wednesday. And he would say to me, you know, I don't need it before Thursday. So tell me Thursday, give it to me Wednesday, and you'll be exceeding my expectations. But when you tell me Tuesday, and you give it to me Wednesday, you are coming behind expectations. So he really taught me a lot about sort of expectation setting and and similarly you know after the person who said to me you know i needed to develop sort of more a little more gravitas in the mm-hmm. workspace and i think that was right i think things that you know they they were encouraging overall but were willing to like the radical candor like what's the stuff i need to know about myself to get to get better um yeah. So, 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 and and that came from a place of caring and wanting me to do well. The flip side, you know, there's a manager I I had in my career. And I talk about this sometimes, inverse modeling, like even sometimes to this day, like, and I've heard this from a lot of people, inverse, like they say, like, I don't want to feel like that person made me feel like I actually feel like I do the opposite. I think that person liked to criticize very personally. um, And they like to sort of make it about them. And you did not feel like they were doing it to get better. They were just doing it out of frustration or, or, or to be mean. So there are a lot of things about culture and company and otherwise that I think I take very much from that sort of anti-modeling experience. Nice.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fantastic point. And mm. uh, so with that, I think uh, we're getting to pretty close to uh, you know, kind of uh, closing our podcast and great show that we've had, but I do have a few questions, unless anything else you have on your side, Jeremy, uh, my, my question is, You have been to so many different podcasts. You have been into so many different stages and you've always shared something insightful, something useful that the audience can take home. Uh, I would like to challenge you is what is that one thing that you have, you don't feel like you have never really had an opportunity to share, but you always wanted to share. That will be something that our audience will be impacted by.
2: Yeah, I I mean, there's a quote, that I, I I share a lot, but I'll go into the deeper meaning. So I think um, you know it's, it's it's one of my favorite. But how we do how we do anything is how we do everything, mm-hmm. and and I really do believe in the importance of sort of that personal brand and how you show up and how you do the littlest thing becomes that. And but 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 the why for that is I think comes from a little place of embarrassment. You know, back to that earlier story of not feeling that I did that. You know, early on in my life, I feel like I. I cut a lot of corners. I, I, my, I, I don't think I was very proud of my my personal brand, mm-hmm. um, and 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 so that's that's something that's become very important to me. And I think it just really, really makes a difference in terms of how you view yourself and how the world views you.
0: So I, I got one more. I work with a lot of younger younger up and coming marketers or yeah. people in the business world, and they're you know fresh out of college. They're in their twenty three to twenty six right range. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They, they constantly are telling me that they feel like they're a failure. Yeah. The fact that they don't own their own business yet. Yeah. The fact that um, they haven't built their own startup yet. And I'm like, dude, you're 26. You don't need your own startup. It's a yeah. headache. Well, I want more personal freedom. Do you understand that having your own startup doesn't mean personal no, freedom? No. It means you work till 2 a.m. every day. On the weekends, it's only, it's too. Only
2: sex, I would say it's only se- sexy in the yeah. rearview mirror being an entrepreneur. Like,
0: exactly. So I, I guess for me, what, did, what, what advice – and we're not talking about Gary Vee style advice, but yeah. you know, what, what kind of advice would you give to that mid-20s person who feels like I'm still that low-level media analyst one and I can't get out of this rut and I feel like I'm a failure. What should I be doing? Why, why am I not succeeding?
2: Look, everyone's undervalued and underpaid in their 20s, and they might be overvalued and overpaid in their 40s and (laughs) their 30s. switches. So, uh, the the advice that I always give some version of this to people in their 20s is focus on the environments where you will have the most learning and the most and the best mentors. You know, don't focus on the pay. Don't focus on the title. That won't matter in the long run. Switching jobs for a thousand dollars more, a better title, you know, for <laughs> a crappier company won't work. When you when you look at like, if you actually look at the DNA of some of today's leaders, like you look at, I think Jeff Wiener worked for, yeah. it was Sandy Wheel or something. Or so, like you actually can follow that these people early on in their career had access to some incredible leaders and incredible teams, like. Even now, if you wanted to do something, I'd go do it for free, you know, for the best person in the industry rather than like bag groceries if you didn't have a job right now or doing that for, for, for money. So I, yeah, I look, you want to be an entrepreneur, learn on someone else's dime for four, five, six years. Watch like, them fail, <laughs> watch them succeed, yeah, watch them make gonna, the tough decisions. I, I, you know, you know, Babson colleges around here, I used to have yeah. interns from Babson, they're like f- crazy, they're dealing with like shareholder lawsuits as like sophomores in college and all this stuff. And I didn't like, like, to one of the guys i was like you should be going out go out and drink and whatever like don't learn about shareholder lawsuits like go go enjoy your life learn this on someone else's (laughs) dime right because it's hard and you're probably going to fail the first couple times so i i just think that you know you watch you watch you 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 backtrack from some of the best leaders and you look and they were in these incredible training programs they were working for other incredible leaders like that, that that's really what I would focus on the most and 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 that will come in some ways you will be discriminated against until yep. you get to your thirties you will do the same work uh, and then suddenly people will pay you more and all that stuff yeah I think
1: that there's a pivot point that happens and I think your your advice on going doing something for free is still applicable for me now you know i'm I'm you know past 40. I still feel like e- even though there is opportunity there where I can charge more, but I think it's okay to do for free because that will create me more substantial opportunity from the value that I deliver
2: yeah look when we our, in the u s in particular like we, we have this cover of school it's fine to go pay two hundred thousand dollars and want to learn something or do something different, but it's it's not fine to go do a free apprentice somewhere if you want to change something and do something different it's right. kind of a really weird model of social acceptability because if you really want to do something different like something's going to have to give right you're going to have to break the chicken and egg by you don't have a lot of value to to give them at first so you're going to have to to learn it
0: and find something that's passion for for me i i teach one of the things i do is i i i I teach marketing at uh texas a m san antonio yeah it doesn't pay well yeah but it's a great it's a great thing i do it because i have the passion for it i mean yeah it you buys learn me, me gas.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what it does. So it's like, eh. but you don't need now. But that's good. No,
0: exactly. So I I think we're, we're basically coming up to the end. It's is is there any kind of parting words? You know, words of advice. Actually, you know what? Let's do this. Shout out to all the things that you want our listeners to go check out on your behalf. Let, let's do a shout out for for your books. Yeah, I'll make sure. and all that stuff. Crazy. Put go it all on in one
2: place. So if you go to Robert Glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R.com, you can find the Elevate podcast, the stuff on Tucker with Tucker Max on um, uh, on the books if you're interested. He runs one of the biggest self publishing companies in the US. Uh, you can sign up for Friday Forward uh, and you can find all the book information on there as well.
0: RobertGlazer.com. Robert
2: yep. Perfect. Fantastic. And we'll put that in the show notes.
0: Yeah, not Bob Glazer, but Robert Glazer. No. Mm-hmm. But I'll make,
2: maybe I'll make a, a, a redirect.
0: Unless <laughs> there's so all I know is that there's another Jeremy Roberts out there, Jeremy A. Roberts, who's a I'm going to call him a D-list actor. He's one yeah. of the red shirts, and you would recognize him. He is a red shirt on Star Trek who dies quick all the time.
1: Hey, maybe we should invite him for a podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's cool. pretty cool. Yeah. So th- this has been fantastic. Right, um, thank
2: you guys. Yeah, yeah this been has fun. been fantastic. Ah, this for is sure.
0: awesome. Um, and and I guess for our listeners, uh, like I said. Continually, please reach out to us the same way that Bob and his team did. You know, we, we want you on our podcast. We want those leaders out there to be able to kind of share their experiences with the world um, and keep on giving the reviews and the comments. You know, we keep on going. Samir, I think it's almost six years now, so we just keep fantastic, going. <laughs> guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you know where to find us. It's uh, analyticstodaypodcast.com and uh, looking forward to getting all your feedback. Have a good one. Okay,